Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I wasn't being asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. You ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuffed you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> so we have a league final, like we mentioned on Monday, Connor, and. The good news is there's going to be 2,400 spectators are going to be allowed in Croke Park. So pretty much a full house who would be going to a Division 3 league final, Connor. Am I being, am I being very unfair here? You're being very facetious <laughs> there, Willie. <laughs> in fairness, like, you know, we didn't know we had a league final until after the weekend. And now we're looking at this is probably the biggest game and biggest G crowd for a game for over a year, I'd say. So, like, you know, I think, I think you've mentioned on the show that... Um, even some of the games in Ulster and stuff where, you know, there might be only 500 people at them, but it sounds like there's thousands. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. The only, pro- yeah. Be- the only problem with this is, is that's 2,400 in Croke Park. So like, and they will yeah, be sure. very, there will be very spread out. I think when they're in a small stand, they make a lot of noise, but they'll be massively spread. I don't know, Connor. like, I mean, I'll be accused of being negative here, but we're looking at the Euros. We're looking at the rest of Europe um, who have the exact same vaccine rollout as us. And you're looking at 20, 40, 60,000 fans in the stadium and we're supposed to be happy with 2,400 in an 80,000 seater stadium on Saturday Yeah I was watching um, was it Hungary against uh, Portugal there in Budapest the other day and, but like Hungary has a full house yeah. and actually they're, they're in terms of COVID I think they're way behind or a lot, a lot higher cases than over here so uh, so that's another matter but yeah it does, it does seem a bit of an anticlimax but I, I'm kind of looking at it from the other way is that like we've had no crowds for ages for so long so it's like it's just and like even the, the couple of hundred seem great up in up in up in Ulster and up in Northern Ireland there recently. So two thousand four hundred is a bit of a bonus, even though as you said, like we'd often give out here about if there was twenty thousand people at Crow Park because it's so big yeah. and so cavernous that you don't notice the noise. But listen, it's 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 better than nothing. Definitely. It's just like the crumbs that we're happy with. If we were to be told this two years ago, we'd be happy with two thousand four hundred spectators in a league exactly. in league final. You go, What are you talking about? What's it being played in Croke Park for? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Play it down in Ockram or something where 2,400 would be a decent a decent crowd. Listen, we can say that's bad news or good news anyways, whichever side you come down. Everybody is going to come down on the same side as this. Uh, terrible news. Killian O'Connor looks like he's gone for the season, if we're being honest. Like, I mean, it said, the reports
George says he went underwent a medical procedure um, this week on his Achilles tendon injury. Um, so obviously he came off against Clare. And I have to give Killian O'Connor incredible credit. I don't know if this stuff is going on through his head, but we were guessing on Monday, Connor, what's wrong with this fella? He never put his hand to his Achilles. He never had the physio touch his Achilles. He walked off the field with his leg dead straight. Nobody knew what the injury was. Do you think this is going through his head? I don't want, I don't want people knowing what it is. Or I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's incredible that an Achilles tendon injury, which is an incredibly sore injury and nobody had an idea that that's what it was you know coming off but like I mean what a loss to Mayo now Yeah maybe could have gone through his head Bully as somebody who's suffered an awful lot of injuries do you know what I mean maybe he's 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 kind of conscious of the fact of of the perception it'll give that if he you know if, he, if he's too much in pain or if he's targeting a certain area or something like that but it is the worst news that uh, that Mayo could have got I mean if you would have if you would have picked one player for Mayo not to lose for the championship it would have been Killian and it's not just because He's our free taker, obviously. He's just the leader, the leader of the attack. He's been in brilliant form. And I'd say last year, because I think he went from after the All-Ireland semi-final in 2019, he didn't play for Mayo for 14 months. Now, granted, that was because of COVID and stuff like that. But I'd say last year was the first time in a long time that you'd seen Killian play without some sort of niggling injury because he's been, he, he's been carrying a lot of injuries for years as well. So this is just the most rotten of luck. And I just as you were saying there, I, I'm not aware. I've never heard of a mild Achilles tendon injury. Do you know what I mean? I, like from anyone I've spoken to who, who who has experienced them, they're the worst. They're incredibly sore and they're very hard to rehab. So, listen, we I I'll wait till we get better new, you know, more more clarification if that clarification is going to come. But it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, especially with a shortened season. It would be, it it seems amazing at this point if we'd see. Killian in a Mayo jersey before 2022 to be honest yeah especially when there's going to be surgery there's some medical procedure even if it's not hugely invasive it's still you're still going in at it so like I mean I, you, I would be on your side thinking that that's you know him done for the championship it's an incredible remember the day they were hammered down in Killarney by by Kerry and he passed out to Gooch as the highest scorer ever in championship football he scored 30-37 since then <laughs> like this fella is never going to get caught yeah, it's incredible. It's great. and he still he just he only went twenty nine there um, last month as well. Like he he seems to have been around for the long for the longest time because I think he made his debut in twenty eleven, but he hasn't even passed thirty yet. So, like it's just may, maybe the way football has gone this year with the highest scorers, the likes of David Clifford might come close eventually. But like he's not only passed like he passed the Gooch as you said in twenty nineteen, but he's gone so far past anyone since then. Do you know what I mean? And like hopefully hopefully after this injury clears up that he still has a couple of years for for Mayo left yet and just the rate at which which he scores you know including that 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 score against Tipperary last year makes it it makes it really hard to to think that anyone's going to catch him but it's just like I'll say this uh, Willie because I'm biased but I think people have come to take that for granted with Killian that the the scoring totals that he does rack up and I think we're going to realize that in, in a big way come come later on in the championship and especially in the Connacht championship that you just it's it's just not easy to make up what what Killian contributes to, to the team. So no. it's it's as big as loss as, as I can think of, to be honest. Yeah, we're gonna look ahead to the championship in part two and maybe have a look through the provinces and give our predictions. So we'll see how Mayo are going to do against maybe a very defensive Galway now, which they don't like playing without without potentially the two O'Connors. So we'll get to that um, in part two. Paul Mannion has been explaining his reasons for stepping away um, from Dublin. He said it's just the day-to-day, week-to-week commitment that you have to be at um, to be at your best. Um, and he said, he pretty much put it down to the commitment. Um, he said it's just pretty heavy, the commitment levels. Not that I wasn't enjoying it. People ask me, are you fed up or were you sick of it? That's not the case at all. It's the best thing I've ever been part of or love being part of it. But we talk all the time about the commitment inter-county players give and it really is a big commitment. And that's the thing, like, I mean, you can say I absolutely love that. It's absolutely fantastic. A lot of times you, you kind of, t- something has to be one way or the other. Paul Mannion loved it, absolutely loved it, loved his time there. But the commitment levels are probably getting a, a little bit too much now, year on year, where he said, I wouldn't mind a year out of it. And plus, he hadn't been on the team and he probably won't admit that. But like, I mean, the reality is he's talking about, he said, it's not just the training hours, it's the travel time, it's the prep time, it's the meeting time, it's the making sure you get home to get your sleep in, eating the right food, recovering properly, doing your homework, reviewing the opposition on your own matches. It's a huge commitment when you add that all up. And like, you know, you're not starting last year you're used to starting you're thinking of all this commitment I completely understand why he might want a year out of that 
Yeah, no, no, 100%. And like, but I, I am glad that he said, Willie, that like it's the best thing he's been a part of yeah. and that he loved being a part of it because there's a danger to think that like, you know, like it is a lot of hours, but like you have to, to, to play at the level that Paul Mannion has played it. You have, you have to put in a lot of those hours. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm glad that he said that he enjoyed it and like he's going to enjoy it one year where he's playing, do you know, where he's playing and he's flying it. You know, when when he's in the drum team, when he's, you know, in all-star form, whatever, and he's probably looking forward to all, everything that comes with it, the recovery, the analysis, the the homework on the opposition, all that sort of stuff. And that sort of stuff becomes a bit more draining. If your form is gone or if you're, you know, you've, you've, you, your your place isn't secure or something like that and you're wondering, you've done it for years already and thinking, Jesus, I, like, I, I could possibly do it again, but I, but I just need a break. So, like, that that's... That 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 that's that's perfectly under, uh, understandable from Paul Mannion as well, like you know. But I but I am glad that he did say that he, you know, because there's a danger of thinking that like you know that intercounty GA is a slog. Well, there is a lot of time going into it, but people do enjoy it as well. Well, that's the thing, and it's an incredible honour and all those kind of things. They're the best years of your life, but at the same time, they are very time consuming. Mm. And you know, for a lot of players, you might not get the reward. Obviously, Paul. Does, has got a huge reward out of it and you know he's acknowledged that because Gordon Kelly was talking in the Independent today and he was saying you know because the, the commitment levels made the headlines you know so like I've always said on this show like I mean there's no right or wrong answer for commitment levels some players love it some players find it challenging other players dislike it and they'll do it for a few years like there, there's nobody's right and nobody's wrong on this it's whatever it is for that um, particular individual like Mannion's only 28 Jack McCaffrey only 28 incredible really and they're two of of Dublin's flair players and we might be talking to Brendan Devenny a little bit later in the show about Dublin's style of play now and how you know they've gone very very conservative and very you know mechanical you know and the flair has gone out of them so it is a pity to see Jack McCaffrey and Mannion uh, gone but Gordon Kelly says bad news travels faster and you often see the bad news uh, would be out there saying that it's too much of a commitment and stuff like that but if you talk to the players they're going out there four or five nights a week and meeting up with good friends they're playing football and having a bit of fun while living a healthy lifestyle and like I mean that's all true like there's a great camaraderie there's a great friendship there's the other side of it you probably lose or drift away from friends that aren't in that bubble because they're not living the lifestyle you're living it's an incredibly healthy lifestyle which can be great like maybe Paul Mannion will wake up um, maybe after electric picnic at the end of September with a hangover and go, Jesus, I'm going back in there. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not dealing with this stuff. Do you know what I mean? But like, I mean, there are things that you have to kind of balance off. Again, Gordon's right, but nobody's right and nobody's wrong in these in these conversations. Yeah, it, it, it but it got the headlines for 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 good reasons as well, Willie. In terms of like, there was reports commissioned into this, and it, it showed that like the the level of commitment. Uh, that 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 GA players, the intercounty players, had to put in was kind of potentially in some cases bordering on unsustainable. And you know, and like the the danger we've mentioned loads of times in the show that the GA tends to often be copycat. And if the crowd down the road are training for you know X nights a week or X hours a week, well then we should be doing more. You know, and thinking that more means better when it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? But I think like that that the balance that a lot of intercounty teams, I'd say, and and it's good to hear again. Gordon Kelly says something like that that they're enjoying it. So it's good to hear that kind of most intercounty teams, you know, seem to be getting the balance right now. But something you hinted at earlier, like for for people to step away, maybe it's easier for you know the likes of Paul Mannion and Jack McCaffrey when they're you know in their late twenties, they've won All Stars, they've won multiple All Irelands, you know. They're they're maybe not thinking like at some people in other counties thinking if I step away the one year that might be the year where we have the greatest success and you'll regret it afterwards. Whereas that might be an easier decision for 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 Paul Mannion and Jack McCaffrey to make. Yeah, exactly. So like I said, we have a national final to look forward to this Saturday. It's the Division Three final, and to help us to look ahead to this, Anton Sullivan joins us on the line now. How's it going, Anton? Hi, Colum. How's things? How not, are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. You must be looking forward to it. It's on television in Croke Park. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it, Colm. Uh, it wasn't looking likely last weekend um, after Fermanagh game. We weren't sure if we were going to get to go ahead, but uh, thankfully we got the nod Sunday morning and we got word that it was going ahead. So yeah, we're all looking forward to it. Uh, it's, it's always great to represent your county in Crow Park, no matter what what the occasion is. So we're really looking forward to playing Saturday evening. So did you take a vote on the decision or was this just John Mohan as the manager saying, look, we're going up to Croke Park? Or did you, know, did, did you discuss it amongst yourselves? to Because you know, the, the decision was really in your hands because Derry didn't have a game next weekend. Yeah, well, obviously the, the focus was Saturday evening and we just looked beyond that. We didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, we had to win the game first. So when we got the results, um, I, I think it was just down to John and his management team. Uh, 
he decided that it'd be good to play it. Um, and we rode in behind him. So obviously, we're, we're delighted to get a game in Crow Park. Um, you know, for some of us, uh, we haven't played there before. So listen, it's a great occasion. Uh, there's good buzz within the county. And listen, we, we would have been playing an A versus B game Sunday morning and train anyway. So yeah. I, I think it, it, it's worthwhile playing the game Saturday evening. Well, that's the thing. We were making that point on the show on Monday that every team the week before a match will be playing a match anyways. Like, you know, so do, and, and the good thing, it's Saturday and the next match is Sunday. So it's eight days recovery, I suppose. Yeah, well, it's eight days. And as I said, we would have been training Sunday morning anyways. And uh, people uh, kind of said to me, well, maybe you pick up injuries or whatnot. But listen, that can happen in training easy. So as I said, we're really looking forward to, to Saturday evening. Um, I think going back four or five weeks ago, we played player the week before down in Ennis before we went down to Auckland for the first round of the league. So listen, lads want to be playing games every week. That's why you play football. So as I said, we're really looking forward to the challenge ahead Saturday. Yeah, exactly. What do you put your good form this year down to? Like the last four or five years, you've been struggling in the league. Uh, I think it's just buying from from all the players. Colin, to be honest, uh, lads really have bought into the whole uh, setup in the last eighteen months under John Mon. Uh, it's been brilliant. Um, now obviously John the Covid I, I came and I probably put a bit of a dent in John he would have liked to have got things uh, done a bit quicker than expected but uh, when the new year came we really knuckled down we did a lot of work on our own uh, did a lot of Zoom calls um, as, as a team twice a week we did a lot of Zoom calls for maybe 8 or 9 weeks worked on a lot of stuff especially our own our own game we worked on a lot of things and uh, it was kind of when we got back to the field we really hit the ground running then we had the work done uh, through, through the Zoom calls and uh, yeah it just, it just took off from there our fitness levels were really good um, and we knew we had, to, we had to hit the ground running when we come back our group was seen as kind of the easier side of the draw and um, we, we targeted those three games to get three wins and we got that and then in the one-off game the semi-final that can happen and, and thankfully we got the result last Saturday evening Right, okay, so like, I mean, when you went back on your first night or the first couple of nights and you, you were put through fitness tests and stuff like that, you know, you were all flying it. I'm sure that gave you confidence. Oh, absolutely. Um, we knew we'd worked on, uh, Dermot Sheridan is our S&C coach from, from Cavan. Um, he's a top guy. Uh, he, was, he was running weekly reports on our team and, you know, anyone who wasn't buying into it was just gotten rid of. Uh, so there was no hiding places, really. Uh, and then you had to, you, with the Zoom calls, you were, we were catching up on tactics and where we went wrong in, in previous campaigns, what was what hadn't gone right. So we, we really did work hard over the lockdown. Um, and we said ourselves, whenever teams worked hard the most over the lockdown, we, we'll come out the best. And, and you know, it's showing that we, we've worked hard and we're, we're getting a reward now. Yeah, you play a lovely ge- uh, style of football. Like, I mean, you must be proud of that. I know the game is kind of changing around, but John Mahan, you know, was it two, three years ago he came in at this, at this stage? Well, the two full years, and he went, look, this is the way we play. And probably the first time everybody saw it was the game in Navin against Mead, where you nearly caught them, you know, you know, playing a more direct style. Like, you're almost ahead of the game with that. Yeah, we, we've... Um well, our fitness levels are good, and we've good pace within our team, um, and that's why it was important. We we got up to, to the level where we needed to be when we started the league. But like like down in Avon, we we, we uh, probably should have won that game two years ago. Um, like even if we look back last November, we played Clare. We should have beaten Clare down Portlaoise in the championship uh, just a couple of months ago. Now now Clare Division One team. So we knew we were kind of teams around us were making progress, and we weren't. And uh, it was it was frustrating. We were kind of yo-yoing between three and four last maybe seven, eight years and, and we just knew as players we had to push on. Um, John and his backroom team had an excellent uh, team in place. The county board were behind us so it was just up to the players really to kind of start buying into it and in fairness since January it's been top class and um, I, I can't fault anyone that been, the effort that's been put in has been brilliant and listen, as, as the saying goes you, you reap what you sow and, and, and we put in the effort and we're getting the results out, thank God. Yeah, you definitely have. But he definitely does encourage kick passing and getting the ball down the other end of the field as quick as possible. And, and I suppose even tactically, Anton, when another team is pushing up in your kickouts and you're getting the ball up the field through the foot, the other team isn't able to retreat as fast as the ball. It's very logical, really, when you think about it. Absolutely. And uh, as you know, you've been taught from a young age just to get it and kick it as, as quick as you can and move the ball. The ball will do the work. Um, and, and that's what we do. We don't we don't hesitate on the ball. We just move it quickly through the hands. As I said, we we pace our team. We get runners off the shoulder, and that, that's the only way you're going to be, it's beat these blanket defences. It's pace, uh, moving the ball quickly, and, and getting lads running off the shoulder.
Yeah, exactly. Um, John Mohan is speaking about your strength and depth. The obvious one is is Niall McNamee, your club mate, coming off the bench. How how is he taking this super sub role? Like, is he accepting it in team meetings and then going home in the car with you, giving out shite about it, or, or what's he like? <laughs> I actually don't really talk to him much about it because uh, he's just in the zone. He soaks at the minute. Um, he's he's embracing it well. In fairness to him, I, I I know by him that he would love to be starting. Obviously, sure. Any player who goes training wants to be on the team on that weekend. So. Yeah. Uh, but listen, he's he's a, he's a great role model for everyone in there. Uh, he's he's doing fantastic work, especially with the younger lads. Um, whether it's be taking freeze before training or having a word of the lads here after training, uh, he's absolutely brilliant to have around. And you know, he's still he's still producing the goods, <clears throat> uh, seventeen or eighteen years on, and he's still doing the job for us. And, and hopefully, he can he keep continue to do that for us. Yeah, he definitely will. It's like, I mean, you're on the go a long time too. My first memory of you wasn't a good one, Anton. You came on against us in 2008 and Tullamore and scored a screamer of a point. So, like, I mean, I've been, I've, I've kind of had my eye out for you ever since that. But like, I mean, you've played everywhere, really. You're, you kind of settled as a wing forward, a scoring wing forward now. Yeah, well, I kind of, I was, I was thinking along the, when, during the, after Christmas, I was thinking where we want to go on this team, and there's a lot of talent up front for the full forward line, so I was thinking, I, I best be clever now, and, and, and maybe put my hand up for the wing, and just keep my, <laughs> keep out of the way, out, out of the good lad, so, uh, yeah, listen, it's, it's worked well for me out there so far, uh, uh, five games I've played out there now, so I'm doing well, uh, kind of, it's, it's a tough role, uh, it's up and down the field it's, it's, it's tough work you get through a lot of running but uh, listen I'm embracing it well I'm enjoying it uh, getting chipping in with a few scores and helping the team and, and that's what it's all about Well I suppose that's a big thing though like I mean because you can play the wing forward role and not be expected to score but I'm sure John Mahan is saying look I want you chipping in for two or three points here Yeah he, he does be saying that to me and uh, he puts a bit of pressure on me every game to get, get a few points but like wing forward is a tough position because at times you can kind of go in and out of a game maybe you might get in the ball for 10-15 minutes it, it's tough so I always try to get on the ball early as possible get into the game and, and then you'll find your feet and if it's not going well for you um, I always try to just tackle work myself into the game and, and get going but listen thankfully it's, it's, it's paying off for me um, I'm enjoying the role out there and uh, get well, and getting good scores well, thank God. You mentioned Niall kind of being a good influence for some of the younger players. Like Killian Farrell's playing great stuff um, since he's well, he nailed down a place the place at the last day. He's on the panel maybe a year or two. Where's Keen Johnson? Is he injured or has he gone off the panel? Uh, Keen Johnson is injured at the minute. Yeah, he's struggling with a bit of a groin injury the last um, since the club championship last summer. Uh, so he had to get an operation and he's still under a bit of pressure. I, he probably won't like likely be kicked ball for off this this summer. Um, I'd say his target would be for Ban maybe later on in the summer. So uh, hopefully we'll get him right for, for Division 2 football next year. Right, right, OK. But like, I mean, I suppose without having won anything at underage, you've had some decent underage teams coming through. Yeah, we've had decent decent underage teams, um, but we never really pushed on when we got to senior level. That's why it was so important uh, as a group this year. We really pushed on because, as I said earlier, we, we owe you one from three to four. And you're kind of just going over and you're looking at teams around you like Leash, Westmead, Kildare, like, and they're all making progress and you're just staying staying idle in the between three and four and it's just it was very frustrating and as, as, as a group we kind of just said we need to push on and take a bit of ownership and, and I think we've done that and is that, Was that the problem because like I mean you have mentioned and Offaly wouldn't been that far away from you know Leash Westmead especially in the last four or five years but like I mean there was always something coming out of, of Offaly like right now is a complete is the complete opposite all you hear out of Offaly is good news and the hurlers are going well the footballers are going well and all these things but for a few years there, there seemed to be just one thing after another. And it, it, it seemed like a group of players that weren't taking ownership of it. I, well, I 100% agree with you. There was always noise coming out, whether it be players walking away from the panel, uh, management walking away or, or not up to scratch, county board, not uh, buying into the process. And uh, I think in the last 18 months since Michael Leiden has come in, it's, it's been hugely positive. Um, as a team, we want for nothing. Uh, we're very well looked after. We have an excellent backroom team and that we need to help us improve or, or get over the line is given to us. So on that regard, I, I can't speak highly enough on, on the county board. And that. Shane Lowry's on board now. He's, uh, he's after giving a great lift to the whole county as a whole um, in, the, in the last couple of weeks. And as, as you said, the hurlers are doing well as well. So on the positive, it, it's all good news for Offaly. Um, but in the last couple of years, yeah, 100% agree with you. Lads not committing to the cause. Uh, and it's been tough, you know. You kind of have to go. You've no choice, but you kind of have to just keep ploughing along. And 
you know, sometimes I would have thought we would have never seen promotion division two. So I'm just, I'm just so happy to get over the line last uh, Saturday evening because there's players there that maybe have given 10, 11, 12 years service to Aussie and have, have really got nothing out of it. So for them, lads, I was really happy to see that happen. Yeah, it was 2006 the last time Offaly were in... in um we're in Division 2. Am I right in saying that? In the top 16? You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's 100% right. Yeah. So, so no, I, I think actually they lost, Offaly lost Leinster final that year to Dublin and then actually Leash put them out in the in the quali- round four of the qualifiers that time. And it kind of just went downhill from there then. Right, um, that was it. So only, never, only, only, that, Niall, only Niall obviously has played at that league, level in the league. That's all. Niall's the only one, yeah. So that's, he's the only one on the, on the panel, yeah. Right. Okay. So, like, I mean, that that is a big step. That is a big step, I suppose, to be playing against those teams. Oh, absolutely. And like, even next year, I was looking at the list there Sunday morning, and uh, like, you're going to be playing Mead, Cork, all with these teams coming to Tullamore, which will create a buzz in itself. And you know, the only way we're going to progress and, and get better is playing better teams. You know, so we'll uh, it'll it'll make it a bit easier in in November, December when the call comes to pick up the bag and go back training. You know. Yeah, you mentioned Shane Lowry there. Since he's given since he's given Offaly, he's given the underage obviously money. Um, since he's given that money to Offaly, the Offaly hurlers and footballers have played nine league games and won all nine. And the leash hurlers and footballers have played nine league games and lost all nine. So I don't know what to read into that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, li- I live in France near beside um, Paddy Sullivan and Robbie Piggott and uh, in fairness, they're great lads, but they're having a tough at the minute. But I actually recalled to them the other day that I, I know how they're feeling because I've been like that the last seven or eight years, you know. So, but uh, it, 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 when you're not winning, it's always tough. But when you're winning, it, 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 as I said, it's always easier to pick up the bag. But for, for a long time, I've been struggling like they were. So I, I'm going to enjoy this these few weeks while I can yeah exactly Here, have you had a chance to look at Derry like I mean you probably haven't because you wouldn't have been focused at all on a final until last week and now you've you've only got a, a little bit of time to start turning your attention to them yeah well we, we'll do a bit of work in Derry we're training tonight uh, we'll do a bit of work on them we actually took Tuesday night off with a gym session he just he gave it the night off just to freshen up and be back Thursday night fresh so um, we'll do a bit of work in Derry tonight Listen, the, sh- the shackles are off to a certain extent. We're promoted now. Um, we can go and enjoy the whole experience Saturday evening, play with a bit of freedom, see where it takes us. Um, and uh, just enjoy it, as I said. It, it, it's all about uh, we're getting another game on our belt before we play out on the week down in Avon. So I'm, I'm sure that game will stand to us Saturday evening. But as I said, the shackles are off. Let's go and enjoy it and, and play with a bit of freedom and, and let's go after it. Yeah, exactly. Just b- quickly before I let you go, you mentioned Loud. Like, were you w- had you li- one little eye on whether Loud would accept the the, Divi- the Division Four final and maybe do a double header? And when they didn't, were you like, hmm, interesting now? Uh, to be honest, I, I actually I didn't I didn't really care what Loud did. To be honest, uh, I, I, we were just focused on ourselves. Uh, we we haven't even looked at Loud at all yet. To be honest, uh, so we're going to just take Saturday evening, as I said, enjoy it, go after it, and then Sunday morning we'll be in for a recovery session and we just focus on Loud then. Uh, but listen, I I, I I think it's the right decision to play the game Saturday evening. I think all division division one, two, three, four, finals should be all on. I don't I don't see why any lad wouldn't want to play represent his county for for a trophy in Cork Park. Um, and I'm sure if you ask 99 percent of county players, they will agree with what I what I'm saying. So um, and, and and as I said, Derry will will relish the opportunity to play us in the league final Saturday evening as well. So listen. It's a pity if Cork Park won't be um, used Saturday and Sunday for the finals, but listen, we're happy to, to play our final. Yeah, listen, it's fantastic that we have a final anyway. I'm in complete agreement with you as well. I, I would play um, all the finals as well, even the week the week before. It doesn't make any difference. Anton, I really appreciate you taking the call um, before the final. Thanks very much. I'll talk to you again. Yeah, no bother, Colin. Thanks a million. Cheers. Great stuff from Anton there. I'm, I'd say we're looking forward to a really good open game of football here Connor. like I mean I saw Rory Gallagher uh, talking during the week and he says it's, but it's the fine wee areas like the opposition kickouts, like being in clinical up front that's the difference between us and the top teams in the country and like I mean this is always the question with Division 3 teams coming up to Division 2 are they, cl- are they clinical or do they have the maybe the quality at that level We you know we know Offaly have some good forwards um, Derry probably have Shane McGuigan and might be struggling for scoring forwards outside of that. Yeah, well, they they have well, from what I've seen, I've only seen bits and pieces of Derry so far. Well, is that they haven't been, they haven't struggling that much to to get score. Maybe not in the forward line necessarily, but kind of you know, like in general, they've they, they've been quite high scoring. Like I know they put five thirteen up against Fermanagh, I think so, and a lot of it based on like a 
kind of hard running style and, and getting runners from deep like the Doherty's or maybe, you know, Nilo Lachlan come from deep and stuff like that and being able to tack them on. So like obviously like if you're Offaly, who've been quite actually decent in defence from 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 what I've seen as well, you're obviously Shane McGuigan is your biggest target and then kind of work from there. But uh but 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 uh, like I don't know just just talking about that kind of um quality as well that's the danger like that that you're basing these teams based on what you've seen but they're playing against teams of their level whereas just like for, from what I've seen like I would have watched all Mayo games for example and you, there's a definitely there's a definite noticeable drop in quality between what they've been used to in division one and division two but but in terms of I mean in terms of teams with kind of you know that have that have really kind of lit up the league so far and with kind of um with with the right philosophy so far, you're you're, you're talking about two good ones in 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 Derry and Offaly. So fingers crossed, we get the the open game we're hoping for on, on Saturday. Yeah, I think we will. We'll do a review show on this on Monday. We're going to watch this on on Saturday evening. So we'll definitely be doing a a show on Monday and give the Division Three final the respect that it deserves. More bad news um, here, Connor, and that's Paul Cribben is out for the championship. He's a broken foot, broken tibia or whatever bone is inside in, in the foot. Jimmy uh, Highland, Daniel Flynn, and Kevin Feely are out with hamstring injuries so Kildare are in big trouble with this now and then I was reading Jack O'Connor's only started 19 different players and he's only used 24 over the four games now does that seem wise to you like I mean I understand Kildare Jack O'Connor's probably under a little bit of pressure they had a disastrous championship last year a collapse against Mead and I'm sure he was under a little bit of pressure to come back strong and that's why he's picked his strongest team and he's pretty much stuck to that. Now, the league is pretty much a warm-up competition for a lot of teams and they're rotating. But Jesus, they're like three, Kevin Feely, Daniel Flynn, Jimmy Highland, like they're three of your best players. Like you could argue that on different lines of the field are your three best players. And um, I'm not going to call Paul Cribben um, anything to do with Jack O'Connor's fault. That's a broken foot. That's fine. But that's very, very unusual to only go with 19 starters across the four games. Yeah, it is. Like I, I can understand it to a certain degree, Wally, because I'd say if you, when you talk about kind of when you know a t- like like a team is settled in its own skin, for example, that like you could you can you can look at a Kildare team and you can n- name. You know, ahead of a game that they're going to play at the weekend, you can probably name 13 or 14 out of 15 starters that are going to play. And Kildare have been quite flaky. Like their their exit from the championship last year was probably embarrassing for them. So Jack O'Connor is probably thinking, I need some consistency here and I need to nail down a starting 15 for the championship. And to do that, I want to keep them playing as much as, as possible together during the league. But that said, I mean, you're talking about the circumstances of this year. You know, you're talking about players not having played games in how many months and coming back to a schedule you know, without a proper preseason, where you know soft tissue injuries and hamstring injuries, particularly, are prevalent throughout the country, and the fact then that you're allowed to use what seven subs, isn't it, during games during the league, at nineteen players over four games, what's that? A maximum of four changes to the starting lineup, and then just using twenty four. So, listen, it's easy for us maybe to say in hindsight, especially when they've lost those players, and especially the players they've lost. Do you know, they're really, really important to the team. But when yeah, you look back at it like that... Yeah, I don't need hindsight to tell me that with four games in five weeks, we're yeah. only a three-week lead-in, that you might want to, you know, move your players yeah. around. That's true. No, that's true. What I say in hindsight is that the, the, the players, they lost specifically. Do you know what I mean? Whether you're talking about Jimmy Highland, Daniel Flynn and Kevin Feely, like Jack O'Connor, well, he could have obviously accounted for that by maybe kind of experimenting a little more, but he would have seen them as crucial to the team. So maybe thought yeah. he had to play them all the time. So yeah, as I said... When you look at it like that, when you look at it from an overall perspective, use the starting 19 players in this like league campaign, especially when you compare it to some of the other teams and how many players they've been able to use, it does seem maybe a little bit ill-advised. Yeah, Cork's Cahill O'Mahony is out. He's gone for 10 weeks um, with a hamstring injury. Grade 3 hamstring tear. He, he'd been in good form. He kicked five um, against... Um, he came on against Clare and kicked five points as a sub and he scored three points inside the opening six minutes um, in the last game against Westmead and then destroyed his hamstring and the reason I have this on the Kyle O'Mahony is not a guaranteed starter for Cork but he'd been playing very well is 2003 Connor. the worst injury I ever got was a grade three 10 week hamstring tear and oh my god I'll tell you a quick little story about this shambolic um, episode um, I had been in good form during the league. I might have told this story on the show before, um, but I've been good form during the league. We made the league final. 
first championship game against Wexford I was playing wing forward at the, in the first half was only alright was moved into full forward in the second half and this this fella full back real awkward sort of an individual and he was all over me and but I ended up turning him and he jumped up on my back and the way I fell was in you know like you know the generic hamstring stretch as you put one leg out mm-hmm. in front of you and stretch down so he jumped on top of me like that and I felt a pain the pain I felt was that I had a cramp in my hamstring and the cramp would not go away. So when the the person who I wouldn't even call uh, the person a physio, I don't think she was a qualified physio, but she would have been um, on our uh, backroom team at the time. She came running and the only way I could describe to her what was wrong with me is that I have a cramp in my hamstring and it won't go away. So I was trying to stretch it to see what it come out. Oh, yeah. the, the agony of it, right? So then we came off the off the field. I had to go off the field anyway. And uh, again, the, the, the cramp, the, cr- the feeling of the cramp wouldn't go away. It wouldn't subside no matter what I did. So um, she did a couple of uh, strength tests on it. And I actually had a little bit of strength at the very top of my hamstring. But that's the only thing she tested. Like if you came down even two or three inches, my, my, my leg just fell to the ground because, you know, there was no power. But at the very top, there was a bit of um, strength. So she tested that anyways. And she decided that this was a cramp in my hamstring. And she got the masseuse to give it a good, a good hard rope. So I'm in the Croke Park in the hotel and I'm getting fecking, you know, rightly rubbed out of this cramp out of my hamstring. And in the meantime, my hamstring is in tatters, right? So I'm in agony on the bench. The, 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 the cramp feeling still hasn't gone. So we're in having the dinner then afterwards and I'm still in a cramp. And I'm saying, when's this cramp going? Like, well, like you know, at what point is this cramp going to go away? And uh, st- keeping up the pretense that it was a cramp anyways and the match was on the Sunday. We got, I got to training, I think it was on the Tuesday night and I'd seen nobody in the meantime. And by the time I got into training on Tuesday night, I, like I'd seen the back of my leg. Um, it was completely black. Now I mean from yeah. the bottom of my bum down to the back of my knee and even down into my calf, it had bled down, down into it. And I was like, Christ almighty, I'm, I'm not stupid to know that this, is, this hamstring has been absolutely mangled. So I got, got the training anyway. I'll cut this story uh, a little bit short anyway. So the doctor, the team doctor that was there, I got up onto the bench anyways and the same woman was there and she stuck with the, she wasn't for turning now on this cramp uh, thing. So she was, she, <laughs> do you know what she said? Where the blood, I says, where did the, where's all the blood come from? Why am I bruised? Oh, well, that's a blood, a burst blood vessel, I would say, she says, right? And I was, what's going on here so she got the doctor in and now the doctor was a GP he wouldn't have a notion really about the about uh, you know injuries or whatever so he was poking my leg with his, with his finger or whatever and he, he kind of went along with her with the, the cramp and the burst blood vessel and I turned around to them and like I knew my season was over this stage I, I had enough injuries to know I said Do you know what the two of you are two absolute idiots you haven't a clue and I let them have it and the next minute the doctor went running out of the dressing room and I got off the plinth anyways and went to have a look out here he is squealing to Mikko outside in training about what I was after saying so like I mean did, what a horrific experience so that, that Cahill O'Mahony's uh, grade 3 10 week hamstring it was 10 weeks I got back for the Leinster final I came on as a sub at half time but sure I, was, I, w- I wasn't right at all isn't that some horrific I hope backroom teams are a little bit uh, more professional now I'd imagine so. I'm, stre- I'm stretching my leg out here, Willie, while I'm listening to the story. <laughs> uh, can, I, can I ask, when was it determined then that you actually had a grade three oh, hamstring tear? I, I went... Three days later. No, <laughs> i tell you what I did. I went to Michal Amurahertik's son. I can't think of his first name. He's a physio in Minute. And I went there and he says, Jesus, uh, Colm, that's a terrible job. And he did, he did an MRI on it. And it came back that it was it was my hamstring was ripped in three different places. There was blood all over. It was in a mangled state. And I told him to send that MRI scan down to the doctor's uh, office and to send it to the, the other woman. And I heard no more back from either of the two of them about that. It was like it was like it was just brushed, you know, and I and uh, you know, as it turned out, I was the bad one for having lost my patience with them yeah. in the dressing room. <laughs> 
<laughs> and were you going to go then after the 10 weeks or was it uh, I was right? but it was a long road back it was a long road back and uh, look I wasn't in, I wasn't in, I wasn't the same player at all when I came back um, anyways but listen anyways no, uh, we'll move on from that because I could start crying here missing out on that whole <laughs> Leash's greatest year of all time and I'm like the, the I'm sitting on the bench with a 10 week hamstring uh, job I want to move on to this because we mentioned on Monday's show that myself and Brendan Devenny had a bit of an argument on Saturday night about Dublin's style of play. So Brendan sent me a, a WhatsApp message. Um, he wouldn't allow me play it on the on the phone. And <laughs> he, <just confessed. laughs> he, he, he refused permission to uh, to play it on the show. Um, but we want to see if he is as brave as he was Saturday night. Now, so he joins us on the line. How's it going, Brendan? I'm all, I'm all talk no action, Molly. <laughs> had a couple of had a couple of beers with me at that stage, and uh, we were having a rap. So uh, you know, it settled a wee bit since then. So I'm glad you didn't put them up. <laughs> right. So give it, give us, give me your more, uh, give me your argument there. So minus the expletives. Well, uh, well, what about it? You know, you talk about football and about winning teams, and the best team that probably ever played the game. Right? They're playing a weekend Sunny Gall team. We really really are looking at the Ulster Championship and Dublin are seven points up and the full 15 fall inside the 45. Now, I despise blanket defence, right? You can say Donegal played it, that's all right. I was in charge of Donegal. I played them. I was a Donegal man. I hate blanket defence, right? So if I'm looking at the talent that Dublin have in that pitch and the ease in which at times they're exposing Donegal, why do they revert into this shell of a, of a tactical formation? I just can't get my head around that. And that's that's what me and you were discussing, and you were putting up your your point on the thing. Yeah, well, I suppose my point is, like, I mean, they're playing a team that's doing the same thing. So Dublin's kind of view on that is, we'll beat you at whatever game you want to come at us with. So if you want to start doing that kind of thing, we'll do it on the other side. We're much better at that game than you, and we're winning all Ireland six in a row by doing this. Where's their motivation to change that? Yeah, well, well, this is the thing. There's a bigger picture out there, and, and people are so quick to look to that. Of course, the Six Islands, as you mentioned, the best team that ever played the game, etc., etc. You look at the best teams that play the best sports around the world. Do you think if the All Blacks were playing Ireland in a World Cup, they'd say, Do you know what, Ireland, you're playing this formation, we're going to copy you? No, they wouldn't. They would go out and take them apart. So would the likes of a Man City when they're playing, say, a, a Crystal Palace. They don't go, Do you know what, you're going to put them behind the ball inside your, your 38, we're going to do the same. No, they don't. So why do we, why does the, the best team in, in the country, by, by a long way, revert into their tactics? That's just what I was saying, Willie. Surely it's on to them to go and express themselves as footballers, go and open up, and actually take Donegal apart, rather than sitting on a, a massive lead and almost sitting in their, their shell. I never get my head around that, boy. But then I like the expressive side of games. I like teams going and stamping their authority on it. Why would Dublin morph into a tactic of a Donegal team that was just in there to protect themselves? and try and get something out of the game. That, that's where I see it, really. And there's a bigger picture in sport in terms of how it's played and, and us, you know, I suppose promoting the whole skills of the game and that. And you're not seeing that, really, when you've got your whole team stuck inside the 45. That, that always does my head in. Yeah. Now, you have to be fair. They were one fifteen to 10 points up. The game was over. Um, you know, that's, I don't think them being inside the 45 is a true reflection of the entire game. They weren't, they weren't, they wouldn't have been playing those tactics the entire game. This was more or less when the game was practically over. No, no, well, they, they were dropping in the whole game. There was different areas that patches that game. And in fact, Donegal, in fairness to them, seemed to leave at times, at least left one up. Archon Gillen was left up inside at times. Now, listen, I'm not defending Donegal, everybody. I wouldn't be happy with that, but you'll see a very different Donegal team when they have a full team back, and particularly if Michael Murphy orchestrating it come the championship. It'll be a very, if, if Donegal were lucky enough, should that happen? It's probably unlikely the path that they have, really. but should they get to play Dublin again this year? I think they'd play a different type of game. So this thing, of, if you've got players like, listen, look at the forward line, you know, Conor Kellen, Scully, Basquell, Kilkenny, Costello. Why are players like that inside their 45? There should be a platform inside of attack, Willie. There should be kick passing up the pitch. Nobody's asking anybody to be naive. Sure, drop in your sweepers. Players have to drop back. At least leave a platform of attack inside, which then opens up 
the game. That's what I'm just. That's why I can't understand why teams wouldn't do that, particularly when they're as talented as Dublin. I, I think I think you're right. But I definitely think over the six All Irelands, Dublin have become more and more conservative and more and more mechanical, and that you know a lot of the risk has been taken out of the game. You never see a spectacular point from them. You very rarely see them giving the ball away. You know they're almost too patient at times. But at the same time, like I mean, like I said, this is this is winning All Irelands. And another thing, because they're so conservative. They do drop some forwards back, but their forwards are directly watching their, their direct opponents and a big part of defensive systems that Donegal played. And I was disappointed with how Donegal approached the game. But Dublin are getting their full forward line and half forward line to turn and face their men and to start almost walking backwards, but with them in mind, because they know through experience that a huge part of Donegal's game plan is to start attacking from everywhere on the field. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Molly, I can get that right, but at the end of the day, give me any fifteen half decent footballers in the country. I'll put them back and say the forty-five and create a de- defensive shape. What has happened to defenders being able to being able to hold their own corner, hold their own court? And if Donegal, if any team leaves players up the pitch, the defenders can't come all the way back with them. Molly, you can't take that chance. You can't leave. Kellen round about Donegal's 40 and whoever's marking him leaves him to, to take a hand pass the, the player leaving him is no danger because then Dublin have 14 players inside the 45 Conor Kellen's standing on his own well he has to be marked so I just don't get this thing of, of, of teams mirroring teams I was just a bit disappointed that you were a bit disappointed in us so we were all disappointed and we talk about that on the show a lot like I mean why does Con worry about his man why does he just let him off and pawn him off but Dublin's tactics are very clear and it was the same with Jim Gavin is every man has a man and you're responsible for him and we've talked about it on the show a lot of times is that the right approach or is it not you would see David Clifford we've seen him in league games where he might run to the 45 with his man and then he'll pawn him off and stay up and uh, some other defender will have to drop back on him but Dublin don't usually do that pawn off thing you know they, they, they say you're responsible for your man and you don't want him breaking up the field. And if you're if you're not standing goal side of him and drifting back, suddenly the, the full back has a jump on you, he's gone up the field, you know, and and the spotlight is on you for allowing him to do that. Yeah, but well that's more or less saying that there'll never be a turnover and that the player that's marking him from from a Dublin's perspective, I'm just on about that period that me talked to you in the second half, they're dropping way off their man in their defensive shape. So they're not even that exactly picking up their man. And that's that's the opposite of it. And this Willie for me is born out of the top teams influence the tactics of the other teams, not vice versa, right? So, if if you this uh, this happens in club football in Donegal all the time, where the top teams play ultra defensive still at times, and they force everybody else into doing it. I think there's probably a balance in here between between tactics, boy. But if if we get so robotic around that you're saying everybody's got this job, this job, this job, then football sport isn't sport. It's a job. It's 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 a workmanlike thing where everything's about result, result, result. And then what that does, really, it slowly kills and kills and kills the game. And nobody really talks about that because it's kind of like, oh, good luck to him. They had to do this, they had to do that. No, they don't. You have to go at times to try and play the game and enforce yourself on the opposition. And that's why I thought the last night as we spoke about that it was Donegal's tactic to Dublin seemed to matter. If I was a Dublin player now, if I was in that forward line, for example, that talent there, I'd be like, hey, leave me up inside, leave two or three, leave a platform. Let's just kick past the ball. Let's run the big old ragged. That's why I would have played it. And maybe then you wouldn't have won your six All-Irelands with me in charge. But that's well, a different well, it, No, but that's the thing. But I do remember Tyrone going to Breffney Park to play Donegal. And Tyrone were this great kicking team this year. They'd beaten Dublin in Croke Park. And they had McShane up, up in the forwards. And they're playing a lovely style of football. And Donegal stuck in two sweepers in front of him. Tyrone continued to kick it. And... Donegal caught them on the counter and we, everybody, the analysis then was how stupid were Tyrone do you know what I mean so like I mean Dublin have Dublin will never be called that again they got burned in 2014 and now against the Ulster teams they do play a much more conservative game than they would for example against Donegal or Kerry like you can see the, the difference between how they would approach a game against Donegal and a game against Kerry like they play a lot more football a lot less players dropping back and a lot less worried because maybe Jason Foley and Ty Morley aren't aren't known for taking up the f- t- taken off up the field, and you'll see a little bit more traditional shape. Do you, I, I do think Dun- I think Dublin take a lot of pleasure in beating the defense more defensive teams at their own game. I think they really enjoy it. Yeah, well, 
I wouldn't if I was in Mully, and I don't think again. And if you're going back to 2014, Mully, you know, that, that, was, that was six years ago. Look what's happened in between times, and look what happened before that. And Dublin were just all out attacked then. And I said to you before, nobody's been a, a stupid here and, and playing down anybody else's game by being tactically inept. But if you're only putting on a couple of sweepers, that's fine dropping players back. Not your full team, Moy. Once you do yeah. that, Moy, to me, to me, that is so disrespectful to the talent that you have out there and the ability of that team to play. Because you're just killing the game. I mean, well, if you go to any game, a club team or an underage team or that, and God forbid it's happening underage many many of the time, and you see the whole team dropping inside of 45, I'm just like, oh, come on. So I'm looking at this Dublin. I was excited about seeing Dublin because I don't see them in the place that often come uh, because I'm mostly at Ulster games. I was really excited about seeing them. And in that second half, when you're still looking for bits and pieces of skill, to see them dropping in really is what, what sparked this in me. And that's, you know, maybe we'll see different things come championship. But I just thought this might have been their last half-decent workout, you know, for, for a few weeks because... They obviously have a, a much different pass uh, that Donegal have coming up. Yeah, I do think Dunny or D- Dublin do get more of a free pass on on dropping players back than other teams, for example. They do. So uh, basically, are we, are you decided now that you're in agreement with Jim McGuinness and do you need to give him a call to apologise for what you said <laughs> last on last week's show? That's, you're right. You're right. That's <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm no advocate. I, I'll bottle it up. If, he never answers the phone. I'll phone him a few times. If he doesn't answer, when I see him again, I'll say, sorry, I, I tried to call you. We're obviously busy. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. He's, he's, busy in, he's busy in toxic jumping Dublin there to get this uh, Dundalk thing sorted, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, I'll let you go, Brendan. Thanks very much for that. Right, dude. Good luck. All right, great stuff from Brendan there. Look, Connor, we don't have time to get into that anymore. I think myself and Brendan have gone on about it uh, probably enough because we have a bit of a championship preview and predictions to do, and that's next. All right, so we'll do a little bit of a championship preview. We, we won't have time next Thursday um, because of the matches at the weekend. We'll we'll do it on the hurling show next Thursday. Um, so we want to start with Ulster, and like I mean, it probably is the most interesting province, Ulster and Connacht, really, as we know, um, Connor. And like, here's here's the thing for me in Ulster: Donegal are the best team in Ulster, but Donegal are riddled with injuries at the moment. Um, Donegal are in the preliminary round next week. If they beat down, who are a solid defensive team that'll be a, a struggle they play high flying Derry who were probably slight favourites to beat Offaly at the weekend if they beat them they have to get through Tyrone or Cavan probably Tyrone and if they beat them you know they have to win an Ulster final there is one one week break so they'll have four Ulster Championship games in five weeks that's on the back of four league games in five weeks <clears> with only one weekend free in the middle of that Connor. like you're looking at eight weeks eight weeks of really tough going in in maybe 10 weeks like for that reason I'm nearly going to tip against Donegal for the Ulster title yeah yeah when you put it like that Willie yeah that's that that's not a bad point especially if they so they've already they've lost they lost Michael Murphy he should, should like he should be back uh you'd imagine for for various stages of the championship but if they were to lose uh, like if they were to lose another big player because of the because of the schedule that they have facing them, and, and judging from what we're hearing around the country with the various kind of counties affected by by players being out with hamstrings and stuff, that could well happen to them. I do agree with you, Willie, that they're the best team in Ulster, with a caveat, and that like, um, like say last year being the prime example that like you know. Donegal because of their form kind of leading up to the Ulster final or being tipped as the team to challenge Dublin I would have heard that the year before before they got knocked out to Mayo in the Super 8 so do you know like Donegal for me for the last couple of years have been talked up a lot and they haven't really kind of you know in the biggest games they have, they, they've obviously shown glimpses but haven't really delivered the goods but when I look at Ulster, when I look at their kind of path this year granted as tough as it is and when I look at who they're who they're going to meet I, I still they are the best team in Ulster, and despite the toughness of the schedule, I still think they'll they'll go all the way because the one team I would back to beat them maybe is Tyrone, and we might get to Tyrone. But to me, Tyrone have been too Jekyll and Hyde so far in what they've done in the league, particularly in that game against Kerry at the weekend. And maybe they weren't kind of you know going all out for that because the Ulster Championship is in their way. But like to me, yeah, Donegal are that bit ahead of the rest of them that despite the toughness of their schedule, I still think 
that they'll come out on top in the end just about. The, the Ulster finals actually is two weeks after the semi-final, so they'd have one more week there, um, you know, which is something. Yeah. So they play down on the 27th of June. Um, then they will play on the 11th of July. So they have two weeks between that. Then the following week is the semi-final. That's when, because you say Michael Murphy is back from a hamstring injury. We know what hamstring injuries are like. Daniel Flynn came yeah. back from a hamstring injury and now he's gone with another hamstring injury because, like, I mean, when it's such a difficult schedule, like hamstring injuries yeah. are so demoralising. Like, I mean, you know, you have to build them back up. You have to gradually get them back strong enough to be at championship level. Then you play a championship match Another championship match on a just recovered hamstring. Do you get me? Like, I mean, it's a really horrible. Any team that's str- with players struggling with hamstring injuries coming into a schedule, the the Donegal schedule is one, two, three. It would be four games in six weeks um, for Donegal, which is probably a little bit. I'm going to tip against Donegal um, in Ulster. I think that they'll they'll be walking wounded by the time they come to Tyrone. And I think they'll get over, they'll just scrape over Tyrone. But I think Armagh will beat them in the Ulster final. How about that? I don't know how I'm tipping Armagh after jumping off their bandwagon last year, but something like that might happen. Did you jump off their bandwagon last year? Yeah, maybe you did after after the Donegal game, to be honest, because for years, Willie, you had been tipping Armagh. You know, and rightly so, given the talent in the county, but I just talked about Donegal flattering to deceive there and like like Armagh to another level altogether have flattered to deceive, especially in the Ulster Championship. Now, this year, I have to say, I have to say the bits and pieces I've seen of Armagh, I have been really impressed. And because it's it's just basically the talent that we know that they have there is flourishing. Do you know what I mean? Especially, uh, especially like some of the players in their forward line are really starting to come to fruition. But I, maybe because of the schedule only, Maybe because the schedule only, you know, that it's it's not as tough as uh, it's not as tough as um, as as Donegal's is. Even though, like, likely meeting Monaghan in in the semis would be a bit tough. But yeah, they have a good it, record like, against Monaghan. Like, they, they seem yeah, to, they do. No, in fairness, in fairness. But like, if like if you're if you're telling me a one-off game now, Donegal versus Armagh, I'm tipping Donegal oh, all yeah. day. But maybe. Maybe if it comes to fruition, as you think that Donegal will be walking wounded, I would give Armagh a chance. But I'm still, I'm taking all those scenarios into account. Meeting Tyrone in the semi-finals, meeting potentially meeting Armagh in the final, I'm still giving Donegal a, a hesitant nod because, as I said, I think they have flattered to deceive, but I still think they are that bit better and that bit further along than than other teams in Ulster. Yeah, OK, right. So you're going Donegal, I'm going to go Armagh. Connacht. Um, then, like I've mentioned earlier in the show, Connor, like, I mean, Killian Connor's out. Dermot O'Connor is, you know, we don't know what his injury is. He kind of went up for a ball in midfield. But even just Killian O'Connor, because the knock-on effect now is Aidan O'Shea is probably going to have to go in to the full forward line. You know, even if Aidan O'Shea went in there, I like Ryan O'Donoghue at, at number 11. I don't like him at yeah. corner forward at all. I think after his performance in the All-Ireland final, he deserves to nail down that 11 position uh, last year, especially in the first half, rather than be moved uh, position. But he's going to have to stay in there now. And potentially Aidan O'Shea is going to have to go in there. And now Aidan O'Shea has gone out of midfield and Dermot O'Connor has gone out of midfield. You know, so you're losing the big men. Out of, it, it really is a bit of a disaster for Mayo. Also, the bad news for Mayo is that Galway got that hammering down in in Kerry because Galway have gone very defensive now they're dropping bodies behind the ball they're a wounded animal Mayo and Galway is going to be a battle anyways Galway have gotten the better of Mayo in those kind of arm wrestle get in your face defensive games and Galway went a little bit more defensive in the Connacht final last year. I think they'll go even more this year because I think Porrick Joyce has just gone, look, <laughs> listen, this isn't working. And he's gone maybe back a little bit. I'm going I'm go- I'm go- to, listen, I'm going to go completely left field here. Go Imagine going Armagh and Galway in Ulster and Connacht. I don't know what I'm smoking today. <laughs> well, I don't think Gal- I don't think Galway and Connacht is as much is to me is as much of a stretch as Armagh in Ulster. To be honest, like I, well, I had I had Mayo all day for Connacht. Uh, to be honest, until Killian, um, until the news about Killian, I think it's that big of a, I think it's that big of a blow because, as you said, the it doesn't just impact. We're not just losing one player; we're losing the complete shape of the Mayo attack, basically. Uh, and like so, I I had thought that. Because Jermaine O'Connor and Matty Rowan were kind of forming a very settled midfield partnership there that you could probably afford to put Aidan O'Shea at 11. And the reason they said Aidan O'Shea at 11 because Mayo hadn't decided on an 11, yeah. basically, in the league so far. But now that, that that's thrown completely up in the air, like whether Ryan O'Donoghue, who I agree with, is better at 11, I think he's far easily marked inside than he is outside. And I think he's a real heads-up footballer that kind of looks to play a kind of perceptive pass inside. And I think it suits him there. So that's that's completely that's completely thrown up in the air. 
and then you're you're we're losing our free taker and we're coming in like I thought Mayo granted this, they were eleven points up in cruising and Mayo have a habit of doing this anyway, but look completely shapeless in attack uh on Sunday against Clare when Killian went off. So I, I'm just I'm far less confident. I, I still think Mayo will get to a final and I think Galway will get to the final on the other side and they'll give them a game. But there's a couple of things there that you mentioned. Yeah, Galway did go back defensive uh, for the kind of final last year, but that was off the back of what, two games? Do you know, like they got hammered by Mayo, decided to go back a bit defensive, and then they were playing Mayo in a kind of final. So they didn't have as much time to work on it. They've played a couple of league games again. They played Dublin, Roscommon, and Monaghan in that defensive style. They played good teams in that defensive style since they lost to Kerry. Um, it'll be more finely tuned by the time they play Galway. And as you're right, like Mayo only got, got over the line by a point last year, it'll be a more battle hard in Galway. So the more I think of it, unfortunately, the more I'm kind of fancying Galway to get over Connacht because one thing we haven't mentioned here is Roscommon Woolley, like they, they didn't have a great league. They're never to be discounted, you know, given what they've done the last few years. But I do think Galway is too strong. So while I'd like to give a hesitant vote to Mayo, my, like the more I talk about it, the more I'm talking into giving, giving Connacht for Galway, to be honest. Wow, Galway tip from Connor. This is incredible stuff. Like, I mean, this is a tribute to Killian O'Connor, really. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no other way to look at, to look at that. So we're both on Galway in Connacht. Um, I'm Arma. You're Donegal in in Ulster. We're both Dublin and Leinster. We're not going to waste our time here. We're both we're both <laughs> Kerry and Munster. Like, let's not waste our time either. Like, if you're Cork, you're conceding 25 points at home to Westmead. You don't want to be playing a Kerry team who's out for revenge in a Munster final. Yeah, and like it just like all the elements kind of add up, Willie, in terms of Kerry will, gee, if they haven't learned their lesson after the way they played Cork last year and the league, just the way they're firing in the league and the, the scoring totals, they suggest, suggest rightly that that's going to be the way they're going to play. They're playing, they'll be playing Cork at the height of summer as opposed to in winter. You'd imagine that'll be, you know, that, that, that'll, that'll be only two, two, you know, the conditions that are going to suit Clifford's and the Guineas and, and these type, these type of lads that are firing all cinders. So, like uh, I, I cannot. Yeah, it's it's impossible to look past a Kerry win in Munster. And to be honest, I, I know it's a bit away yet, but I think very comfortable win in Munster for Kerry. Yeah, I think we'll we'll both agree on that. So then the All Ireland semi finals. We have Munster against Ulster, and we have Connacht against Leinster. So we're both based off what we're going with. We have All Ireland semi final. I'm going to have. Um, I'm going to have Armagh versus Kerry and there's only one winner there I think Kerry will handle him even if it's Donegal comes true like I mean that's probably still you know a little bit too much for Donegal again you know they'll have played the the Ulster final two weeks before uh, be two weeks after you know I'm still thinking I'm, 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 am I overplaying this Donegal schedule? Um, No well I, I... Maybe, maybe a little bit. I like. I hadn't really, I hadn't really considered when you you talked about the number of games. I mean, that's that's the kind of the the path that all Ulster teams fear is getting a tough game in the preliminary round and then having consistently tough games until the final, which Donegal have. And compare, like, if you compare their schedule to Kerry, it's going to be night and day. Do you know what I mean? But I'm just thinking, Willie. Like, when I look at these two, they played an unbelievable game in the Super Eights. Was it in 2019? And yeah. if I look from where they've they've come since then. I just think Kerry have evolved to a Donegal or Donegal were very good back then. If they don't have Murphy backfiring all cylinders, I think they're probably they're not as good a team as they were at the height of the summer in 2019. Whereas I think Kerry have evolved to another level altogether. If 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 that's a semi final, I think it's going to materialise, and I think it is. I think Kerry will be too strong for them. Yeah, so Kerry have Clare and Killarney. They'll hammer them. Then they have Tipperary in Thurles. Um, they'll give them a good beating too. And then they have Cork. You know, a nice three games in the space of five of five weeks. Do you know what I mean? It's a it's a much nicer way. And then for the All Ireland the All Ireland semi final is the first of August. Uh, that's a week later, I suppose. Um anyways, I think I think to cut the cut a long story short, are anybody going to make a case outside of Kerry beating the Ulster champions and Dublin beating the Connacht champions? No, no, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, like I had, I, I had Dublin v Mayo question mark here, and I've changed my mind during the course of this conversation to Dublin Galway. But like, the two of them are, you know, we, like, we've we've seen Mayo put it up to Dublin, you know, in the last couple of years. Last year, you know, put it up to them, but, but there was a clear gulf in class by the end. And I think, like, if I, I think even that like, Galway are possibly even less suited to, to to play against Dublin the way they're 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 kind of set the way they looked at they're, they're going to set up under Parik Joyce. So like the way 
I like Kerry Johnny Gall on paper to me seems like a brilliant game and, and could potentially be a brilliant game. But to me, I think Dublin will be I think Dublin will be fairly comfortable whatever happens on the on the other side of the draw pains me to say it, but I do think that way. And so shock horror, the, the Kerry Dublin final that nobody would have predicted is going to materialise. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. Who's going to win the final? I'm going to go with Kerry. I think, you know, th- their time has to come. Like these are some of exceptional young players and they almost did it in 2019. They're two more years now. Sean O'Shea and David Clifford are in their fourth year of inter-county football. You're comfortable at that stage. You're at the point where now you're pushing it on and you're being one of the, you know, the talkers in the dressing room and, and it's your team now. And I think, you know, it can't just keep going on with them not getting that um, All-Ireland final. I think they're playing scintillating football. I think they're playing with six forwards that can all score. Um, and I think it'd be a very attacking game. And I think that it's Kerry, Kerry can potentially do it this year. And maybe if Dublin are beaten, like myself and Brendan were talk, talking about, that potentially we could see Dublin being a little bit more, you know, play with a little bit more abandon and a little bit more flair next year. Yeah, no, potentially. Like I, I actually thought you'd go for 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 Kerry, Willie. I, I can kind of see that the the girl that you're developing through them are for them through through the through the shows the last few weeks. But to me, like you 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 said that their time has to come. Like to me, I I don't see why their time can't come if it doesn't come this year. If it can't come in the next few years, I mean, like I I think that the we we could be potentially looking at a few years worth of. I think like Dublin. Uh, Kerry is going to be the rivalry for the 20s, basically. I, I think that we could be looking at a few years of, of Dublin versus Kerry. Um, so I think if they if they don't do it this year, I'm not necessarily ruling out the fact that they'll do it in the next couple of years, and I think they will eventually. I just still have Dublin, uh, Kerry, uh, Willie. I just think that, yeah, they haven't necessarily been firing all cylinders maybe in the league. Um, I don't think they were last year, and then they started to blow teams out of the water come the championship. I still think that they're brilliant players, are still at they're still at their top level. They're still at their peak, um, and while, yeah, while while I think that Kerry that Kerry are obviously best equipped to kind of put it up to them, and I think that you, given the form that their forwards are in, I would I would love to see that kind of open shootout in the final. But I just think that I'm not ready to I'm not ready to kind of um, to to say that Dublin aren't going to win the All Ireland yet. I think that I think it'll be very close. Um, as close as it was in in 2019, but I just think that I'm still I'm still back in back in Dublin to get over the line in the end. Right. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Like, I mean, you'll be doing well now walking up the town in Kilshima after predicting a relegated Galway team in disarray to win the Connacht title. So, listen, at the end of the day, that's okay. You might get Dublin right, but listen, at least I can show my face up the town in Port Leash. That's true. That's true. That's true. You've never been afraid of showing your face if you had a if you had a contrary opinion anyway, Willie. So, Connor, thanks very much. Listen, we'll be back on Monday as usual, and we'll review the Division Three final and whatever other stories are floating around as well. So, we we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, what have you been asked to do a whole while? Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuffed you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.